Hello and welcome to the Sonic Cinema Podcast. My name is Brian Scuttle. Thank you for joining me at www.sonic-cinema.com as well as the Sonic Cinema Podcast YouTube channel. At the podcast YouTube channel, you can check out all of the podcast, all of the episodes, as well as select interviews from uh, just PR uh, press uh, junkets, basically, as well as quick takes on movies as diverse as Elvis and Empire of Light, as well as movies from film festivals like last year's Sundance Film Festival, as well as the Atlanta Film Festival. I'm not covering Sundance this year. Honestly, I kind of didn't need the uh, stress. I, I hope everybody who is covering Sundance, though, is enjoying themselves. And I'm looking forward to catching up with those movies later in the year. But as far as the podcast, you can click subscribe, rate, and review uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. Good Pods, Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon. You can kind of listen everywhere. And... Uh, but I do appreciate the 500-plus people who've subscribed to the YouTube channel. Uh, that's, it's, been, it's been good to have that amount of growth over the past couple of years. You can also check us out at patreon.com backslash Sonic Cinema. I've kind of relaunched the uh, Patreon this month, uh, down from four tiers to three tiers. And each tier has something a little bit different for everybody. The $1 level, you get um, quick, you know, you get brief write-ups on older movies that I watched for the first time. You get early access to reviews, and you get the occasional blog, but you also get the series Leaving the Collection, where I look at a movie that I've had in my collection for a while, and I kind of decided it's time has come, so I give it one last spin, and... Uh, do a brief review and uh, why it got into the collection, kind of why I feel like it's time has come. At the $2 level, uh, you will get stuff like my upcoming discussion on the Oscar nominations and all the categories. You will get deep dives into series like the Lonesome Dove series I did a few years ago, like Jackie Chan's Police Story series that I did a couple of years ago, as well as individual things like my 10 favorite soundtracks of the year, and that's going to be coming up uh, pretty soon as well. For the $3 level, the Easy Riders Raging Bulls level, uh, you basically get all of that. You also get your link on to, link to your website on to the Sonicsima page, as well as a new series I just started this past week called Life Soundtrack, where I look at a soundtrack from my extensive soundtrack collection. It's basically been 30 years strong. And I talk about why I like it and kind of why... It, it's sort of the same way leaving the collection, except it's not leaving because of the fact that these soundtracks, I've basically burned all of them to my computer. So they're going to stay with me for all time. And... Some of them, it's, it's interesting to see the ones that you decide to go back and it's like, you know what, I'm kind of in the mood for this one. And you listen back to it and you just really remember why you enjoyed it. And so that is at the $3 level. That's going to be a monthly series that just started. So if you can subscribe, I get it. If you can't, because times are tough, inflation is difficult, but... 
ting everybody, but the fact of the matter is, I'm going to be bringing my prices down at patreon.com backslash Sonic Cinema. So today's episode is kind of a couple of years in the making. Um, this Today's guest uh, originally joined me on the Sonic Cinema movie chat, which at some point I will try to get back to. It's kind of hard to do with a night, uh, night job, because that's why I prefer to do that. But um, I had such a good time, and it, when we were talking about one particular topic on that live stream, that's when the idea hit me, oh, we've got to talk about this on the podcast. And that is the concept of blind buying movies. And, you know, if you've listened to Leaving the Collection, some of those movies have kind of fit that vein, but some of them, you know, some of them are ones, most of them are ones that, I had seen, but there were a couple in there that I hadn't seen before I purchased them. But, and we decided to basically bring one movie each from our collection, our respective collections, to the table, and we're going to basically talk about them in the same way that we do on any in this. And I'm pleased to be joined by Simon Watson of the Extra Features podcast. Simon, how are you doing tonight? <laughs> I'm fabulous. I didn't think I was ever going to come back on this show. I figured <laughs> I did the live stream. I didn't make the cut. I was gone. No. I'm... And I'm so happy to be here. So thank you. I've listened to like, Tim Cox on 10 episodes, the Cheetah Girls, some guys discussing horror movies, no Simon. So I figured I was out. Yeah. No, no, it... So the the way this the way this podcast works, you you've said you've listened to every podcast episode of the podcast, which I appreciate, because um, there there are quite a bit of episodes of the podcast now. Um, so you'll notice that there are some that basically are recurring. You know, if I cover film festivals, you're going to get podcasts about that. Horror movies in October, you're going to get that. Dragon Con September, you're going to get that. The rest of the years, kind of just. Sometimes I go with stuff that's happening in current um, movies, like we had our Steven Spielberg episode during around the time the Fablemans came out. But so when it comes to a subject like this, it's kind of hard to figure out well where this fits in the in the larger scheme of what I'm trying to do with the podcast and what I want to do with the podcast. But this one, especially after that discussion when we talked about blind buys, uh, and I, I talked to you, I told you earlier today, I think it was, it was either today or yesterday, I told you, it's like once we had that discussion, I'm like, oh, this is absolutely going to be the subject because I loved having that discussion because it really did change my perspective on that concept. And I, I think if you go back and listen to the discussion which is on the YouTube channel, all of the episodes of the Twitch stream are on the YouTube channel. You can check it out, and I hope you do listen to it. That was a lot of fun to do that discussion. So, yes, I definitely wanted to have you back on, and I'm glad that we're finally at that point. Well, people got to understand, I'm the crazy guy that does not have a movie collection, which you'll hear on that show. I'm literally that crazy guy that goes to garage shells, to a Goodwill, a Salvation Army. And this includes when I'm on holidays in the USA 
at the Dollar Tree, Dollar yeah. Tree, yeah. and they have dollar twenty five movies. I bought ten. I never heard of them. I bought them. Blind buys. Don't care. I go to a garage sale. They have a movie I haven't seen. I pick it up. Mm-hmm. That's it. And then once I watch it, I'm like you. It leads to collection. So I really don't keep anything because my argument is there's so many movies that I haven't seen. Why rewatch things? So I'm always find you amusing when you guys go, oh, I've seen this three or four times. Like you guys got to get out more. There's <laughs> too much to watch to watch something three or four times because you already know it. Speaking for the man that's seen Major League 27 times. Hey, you know what? I'm There's not a gonna story knock, for that. I'm not look. I'm not going to knock that because, as you know, we did cover that on the podcast. I'm a big fan of Major League. That and not just because of the fact that I'm formerly from Ohio. So nominally, I've been an Indian Indian slash Guardians fan over the years. So I have a question for you. This is I have some questions I've been wanting to ask for solid months now. How come you've never had in person guest? So, okay, so technically speaking, I have had, so technically speaking, I have had in-person guests in terms of friends that have been around in, who, who live near me. I've had, I've recorded with them in, in my house. I mean, I've, I've done recordings like that. Now, if you're talking about the Twitch stream, I mean, the, the Twitch stream is, no. It's been so erratic, it's just been ridiculous. But yeah. No. So if if somebody's nearby, I mean this this happened more pre-COVID. Post-COVID, it was just we it kind of for, for safety's sake and you know it just made much more sense to it, it just made much more sense to, you know, do over Zoom and or Skype or something like that. But I did, so I have actually recorded with people at my house, and I've just put because I mean I'm I'm a sound recording major. That that was my recording. That was my major in high school. So it's like I when so I got several uh, microphones. I got some mic stands and stuff like that. I've got mixing boards, so I can basically set that up and record that way. And that works. But, yeah, I mean, since COVID, it's just been one of those things where it's like, you know, how... uh, It's been more of a safety precaution thing. Plus, I mean, depending on how long the conversation goes, you don't necessarily want to go too long. Like, you know, my... uh, You know, like the episode of... um, And plus, you know... Meredith is somebody who I don't, especially if she's trying to sleep, I don't want to go too long into the night lest I wake her up. I, I don't want to do that. So it's just kind of easier to get people in via Zoom. And plus, honestly, you know, sometimes people, sometimes people in person are not necessarily going to get right up into the microwave microphone the way they should so the the sound quality is kind of better if you're just recording it over zoom or something like that hold on let's back i'm coming to georgia i'm coming to your house (laughs) for four hours i will buy meredith dinner (laughs) 
Okay, we'll make it a weekend. If she wants alcohol or whatever, I'm good with that too. <laughs> and we'll just plop her down something she enjoys, and I'll buy her what she wants, and she'll be happy with me. Oh, trust me, she'll she'll look. She'll she'll find something she enjoys watching. She always does. She binge watches shows. She she's the TV person. She first and foremost is a TV person. So she will watch shows and binge shows at time, and that's fine. I love that. I mean, sometimes I will watch with her, but I love the fact that we fundamentally have some similar tastes, but we have enough differences to where we have something of that the other person is not as interested in together. So, like, I have different some different interests than she does. She has different interests in some cases than I do, and that's fine. I, I love that. But yeah, I mean, dude, I would love, you know, whether, especially if it's somewhere around like a film festival or something like that, I'd love to do that. That would be fantastic. It's on my list of things. Number two, I have to go, sorry, people, I have some things I have to get off my chest. You've discussed on your show, you've watched E.T. 13 times in theaters? Yes. I, yes, I did talk about that. So the, the first 12 times were when I was a kid. According to my mother, and I was, you know, I was about five or six when E.T. came out. Um, actually, I was about four or five when E.T. came out. So we, we saw it 12 times. I definitely saw movies. I, I, there are plenty of movies I've seen 10 or more times in theaters. There's no way in hell I could do that now. Like, I don't even remember the most times I've seen a movie in theaters in the past, like, five to six years or actually let's let's just say since i've been married for seven years i'll remember the most amount of times i've seen a movie in theaters maybe three but it's because i'm going with somebody who hasn't seen it or we're just getting a group together to see it i i can't do five or more i would have a hard time doing now because of just how chaotic my adult life schedule is so but yeah it's it, it was something that was much more prevalent when i was in my early 20s uh now yeah there's no way in hell i could do that okay i promise people it's my last question on this topic because i don't want to take up this whole show with just enemy interviewing him why um buster keaton like i'm a huge buster keaton fan Cosplaying as Buster Keaton is, I would say, obscure. Almost like a unicorn. Yeah. That people just don't do it. So I have to ask. I mean, I agree with you, Buster Keaton's the GOAT. But you're not recognized as the GOAT of Buster Keaton. Right. I did actually, so I did actually, I will say, and I think I mentioned on the Dragon Con episode this year, I did actually have a couple of people mention it, that they recognized me as Buster Keaton. So that was cool. Um, the first year I went, when I did in 2021, nobody recognized me. So I think that came around because, A, I mean, we, we talked about it on the stream. I adore Buster Keaton. He's, my, he's one of my favorite filmmakers, one of my favorite actors. I, and Sherlock Jr. is honestly one of my favorite films of all time. But um, so I think that kind, I think the reason I, oh, I, I love, I've got that exact double feature too, that double feature disc. And it's one of those things where it's like, 
I love I do as much as I love Sherlock Jr. I also absolutely adore Our Hospitality. It's it's a, just a delightful film. It's such a wonderful film. Um, but we're not talking about Buster Keaton. Well, we're okay. We're not talking about his films, but we're talking about the reason I'm cosplaying him. So, um, for a number of years, if you're a longtime uh, Sonic Cinema person, if you followed me on Facebook, if you followed me online, I. My friend Ron and I went to Dragon Con, and it, for a few years we did Jay and Silent Bob. He was Jay, I was Silent Bob. He stopped going in. Dra he stopped going to Dragon Con in 2015, and you know I won't get into the reasons why. He just stopped going, and uh, so rather. And now, Grant, I still have the Silent Bob stuff, so technically speaking. I could still go as Silent Bob, but it just wouldn't feel right with that J. So when I started thinking about, because I, I like the idea. I enjoyed that cosplay. I enjoyed going in that. That was a fun element that came into my Dragon Con experience. And I've talked about it on the episodes where I've talked about Dragon Con. I I enjoy. I I actually enjoy cosplaying a lot more than. I necessarily expected to. It's a fun part of Dragon Con, as anybody who goes to Dragon Con knows. But I, I was thinking about, like, what other cosplays could I possibly work out? And as we were getting ready for the 2021 Dragon Con, I thought about it. It's like, you know what? I And I had had the idea of doing Buster Keaton for a couple of years then. I think I first started... A, thinking about it after the 2019 uh, Dragon Con. And then 2020 was the pandemic. They did the online one, which was entertaining, but, you know, it wasn't the, wasn't the in-person. So the 2021, I'm like, a few weeks before, I'm like, I kind of want to do the Buster Keaton thing. So I looked up all of the things that I might need, and I ordered it. And I'm like, you know what? I want, I want, I want to do this. And because I missed cosplaying, and it was, it was a lot of fun. And I'm like, I, I feel like I got really, I, I feel like I got really down. I, I feel like I got the costume really down to where, and that's one of the things that I love about Dragon Con. And I've talked about this too, where it's like, you can't. They're just going even. Regardless of how obscure your costume is, somebody chances are somebody is going to be interested in it. You know, it may not be one of the more popular ones like Harley Quinn or Deadpool or Batman or anything like that, but you're going to see cosplays there that nobody else necessarily thinks about, but you remember. And that was the reason why I'm like, you know what? No. Most people at Dragon Con are not necessarily going to care about Buster Keaton. But the people who do, that's going to be a fun thing for them to see. And so that's that's kind of why Buster Keaton. Okay, people. I promise we are going to get this show. I just told Brian <laughs> I had a bunch of questions for him, so he's prepared. No, I have three things I want to discuss about the Oscars. Only three. Okay. Have you have you seen To Lessie with Angela uh, Andrea Risebrow? I'm like I've never heard of this film. 
I so had that would not, shock me. I had not heard of it until word of the word of mouth campaign had begun. Um, I I had not seen I had not heard of it, and I had not seen it. I still haven't seen it. Um, obviously, I have to catch up with it now because that's the only acting uh, nominee I haven't seen. But you know, and the thing is, it's like I feel like the people, you know. It's fascinating to see that type of thing because you never are quite sure how organic something like that is. Now, granted, too, Leslie is not from a major studio. It's not even from one of the major indie studios. It's a small film. So clearly, there's some level of organic where it's not being driven by the studio. But at the same time, the fact that Everybody, just all of the all of these actresses, just all of a sudden started talking about it at this, like right before voting ended. It was like, where the hell did this come from? Now, Grant, I mean, Risebar is a tremendous actress. I I'm looking forward to seeing how the movie is and how her performance resonates with me. But and it's not the and even without seeing it, I would say it's probably not the most egregious film nominee in that category. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating to see how that happened. But it's like, I do think people have made a good point of where it's like, you know, where are these word of mouth, you know, discussions by actors and actresses about their peers' work when it comes to like, other performances or people of color and all that and all that and I think that's a completely valid one because the fact is it's like two of the most surprising snubs were Viola Davis when the woman came which personally I'm not as shocked by that snub as most people I've, I've seen some very good points as to why the Academy should have resonated with that because it's a period film it's essentially an adventure film, it, it touches a lot of boxes that are traditionally Oscar-friendly. But I kind of see why the Academy didn't go that route. The other one is Danielle, uh, oh, what's her name? Danielle uh, Deadweiler from uh, Till. Forgive me if I mispronounced that. But, um, and I think she's very good in the movie. I think the movie is very good. I don't think it's a great movie, but I think she's very good in it. I think she's very good in it, and I, it wouldn't have surprised me to see her in it. Um, but yeah, it's just one of those things that where it's like, yeah, it's just, it's, I understand the people who are complaining. I, I understand the people who are criticizing that performances a mission more than I do the ones for Viola, Viola Davis. I understand why people, I, I understand why people are like, why is Michelle Williams in lead? She's supportive. And to a certain extent, yeah, but I would consider her a co-lead in that movie. She's as integral part to that movie narrative as Gabriel LaBelle is and Paul Dano is. But I I'm I'm I love the Fablemans. I mean, we talked about in the Spielberg episodes. I love the Fablemans. I thought it was tremendous. But um, 
and then there's uh, Michelle Yeoh and Kate Blanchett. And I mean, I, it's basically going to come, look, it's going to come down to those two in general. I mean, it just is. It, it just kind of, I, I'm curious to see, I'm curious to see how many Oscars, everything, everywhere, all once is going to end up winning. Because I do think it's going to win Best Picture. I will be very shocked if it doesn't win Best Picture. I'm just kind of surprised. It will just be interesting to see how many beyond picture wins. Wow, that was quick. Now, the number two film I haven't seen is Bill Nighy's Living. I've heard about it. I just haven't watched it. I saw it at Sundance last year. It was one of the ones I was interested in because of the fact that it was a remake of Akira. It was a, it was, it was a loose remake of Akira, the Kurosawa film. And it's, it's a fine movie. And he is, he is very good at it, though. Uh, so it did not surprise me to see him get a nomination from it. I, I, I think he's very good. The movie itself is, eh, it's, it's fine. I mean, if you haven't seen, if you're maybe not as familiar with the Kurosawa film, I think it's going gonna, it, gonna to hit hard. And I think Bill Nye, Bill Nye is just a tremendous actor. And I'm, I'm glad he's finally getting some recognition in that respect. I, you know, and I get why he is for this movie. So. Okay. The last thing I just wanted to bring up triangle sadness. I've heard so many mixed reviews about this film. I passed on it. Now I'm mad at myself for skipping it. (laughs) I, I had mixed feelings about myself. I, I think there are things that are decent in the first half. I do think the second half is better. Um, I do think the uh, supporting performance, uh, DeLeon, a lot of people have singled out in that movie, is tremendous. Would not, have, would not have surprised me to see Woody Harrelson get nominated, too, because I think he's just hilarious in the movie. But I have issues with the movie. It's, it's not nearly... It's, let's put it this way. When I, in my list of... My ranking of the Best Picture nominees is near the bottom. I, I'm I'm not a huge fan of it, so I I think it it has it says it doesn't say anything that other films haven't said better. I mean that that's mainly my thing. Okay, I've derailed you enough on your own show. I have nothing else. Okay. The rest is yours. Wow. All right. So we we've actually told already- you I had lots of stuff that I as a listener. Needed to get off my chest. That that is perfectly fine. Um, and you know, uh, in March I will be having Amanda Spears back on to talk about. Oh, the I know. I'm and you'll also be appearing on my show. And I'm looking forward to that. That's going, and hopefully I'll have a better percentage than I feel like I didn't have that great of a percentage last year. Destroyed last um, year. Even though I think I literally just talked to Amanda shortly before I talked to you. Uh, you did. Yeah, I I think we I think I know I recorded those the exact same week because it was like right before the Oscars too. Yeah, but, don't worry, we'll work out something. We'll get there. But yeah, so Amanda Spears is going to be back. We're going to talk about the Oscars. This is going to be fun because even though yeah, there are a lot of things I'm disappointed that missed. I I love how much mayhem the nominations elicited even though I'm not a huge fan of some of the nominations, but we will talk about that with Amanda later, and I will talk about that with Simon on his podcast, so keep an eye out for that. 
Um, or keep an ear out for that, I should say. So uh, before we get to the main subject at hand, though, this is, uh -oh. even though you were on the movie chat, I still want to do a bit of a brief Q&A with you since this uh -oh. is your first time on the actual, the official podcast. Um, I just want people to know that this is my theory before he goes on. That he had me on the stream just to see if I was any good. <laughs> so because I was good, I'm now allowed on the main show. <laughs> so just so you know, people, you may not make it here, and that's okay. Come on my show. You all are welcome. <laughs> even I think even before this stream, I was interested in having you on, but especially after the stream... I knew there was at some point going to have, I was going at some point going to have you on. Uh, so, um, but Simon, tell us a bit about yourself, how you, where your love of movies comes from and what Extra Features Podcast is about. Okay, well, the easy one, the Extra Features Podcast is really just an homage for my kids. This is how it really started. That my dad died when I was young. And I really didn't get to hear his voice. And I used to, I will get to my movie love because this will tie in. I never got to have his opinions. I knew them, but I felt that I couldn't share them with anybody. And they were only memories to me. So I thought my kids, when they get older and they want to listen to this, would have all the opinions I have on movies and things going on in my life would all be on my podcast. Mm -hmm. So that's how it originally started. My daughter was born. I said, you know what? I want to record this. So there's always my voice. So if somebody wants to hear what I sound like 20 years from now or 100 years from now, hopefully it'll still be there. And they'll have my opinions on movie and what granddad was like and what I was like. So they would remember things. And I talk about the birth of them sometimes. I talk about things that's going on in my life. So my love of movies always started with me being my dad going, hey, Simon, come down and watch something with me. So I got introduced to old black and white westerns that way. And stuff like that. And then in my 20s, after chasing girls, I kind of stopped watching movies. I'm being honest. I did not watch them. And then when I moved out, I found I had no money. <laughs> so me and my buddies kind of did something with the cable and had access to everything. <laughs> so I had access to all these movie channels. So I'd come home from work and just watch movies. Mm -hmm. And that kind of rekindled my love for movies. And that's really where it comes from, hanging out with my dad on Saturday afternoons. And I know I'm old enough to go to video stores. And then I just, I mean, obviously going to garage sales in the last 15 years has rekindled even more. Mm -hmm. Finding those blind buy books for, you know, boxes like Buster Keaton. I've never told you. I bought the whole series, every Buster Keaton movie on DVD for $4. Yeah. Someone was getting rid of them all. I said, here, $4, take them all. And I went to give her $4. She goes, nope, $2. Don't worry. I just want to get rid of these. So stuff like that just encourages me more to watch more movies. And meeting people like yourself and listening to podcasts encouraged me to increase my movie love and to love. So the Extra Features podcast is really just me making a historical document about things I love. And to be able to talk about movies with my friends because I have kids now and live away from my friends, a lot of them. Mm -hmm. We can get together and hang out like we used to. So basically my show is what I used to do on Friday nights after my buddies and me would go see something sometimes. We would sit and chat. 
Yeah. And this is exactly what you get on my show. It's a chat of me and my buddies discussing the films we watched. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that. I love the idea of using a podcast to essentially kind of tell your story. I, I love that because of the fact that, I mean, and I think that's, I feel like that's kind of something that some of my favorite podcasts do that. I, I feel like it's about telling the host's story, especially when it comes to movies. You kind of learn about the host or the guest or both through talking about the movies. And I know that's part of why when I am talking about having a guest on, it's it's about fit. Like, what subject fits this guest? What guest? What subject do I think is going to work best with this guest? And with our mutual friend Tim Cox, it's been older movies. And with, you know, another friend like Chris Esperts, film he's a filmmaker. You know, filmmakers that he's interested in or he's talked about and we've talked about. And, I mean, the ones we've talked about, we've talked about Scorsese, we've talked about Truffaut, we've talked about... Um, Tarkovsky, we've talked about, and we're going to talk about John Cassavetes because he he had that idea, you know. And they're, you know, with the uh, chaotic MGM, it's like, well, what idea? Because I I I I know what their what their podcast kind of does. I I I kind of know their personalities. What fits their personalities? And it's like. We're going to talk about old movies. We're going to talk about a studio that is about as chaotic as any studio in Hollywood history. And we're going to talk about it through movies that they love. And I, I, I love that episode with Phil Faso, horror. We're going to talk about horror. We might occasionally diverge into something like Italian neorealism, but ultimately it's horror. Jason from Binge Movies is going to be a completely different subject. Uh, you know, it's going to be completely out there. And I, I will be having Jason back on. And that's going to be such a wild conversation. He's always, I love talking to him and I love listening to him on Binge Movies. But yeah, I, I love, and so when, when we hit upon this subject of blind buys on the, the stream, I love that I love that discussion because of the fact that it really made me rethink my ideas of what a true blind buy is because I've been I and I think I just talked about some on the stream previously because of the fact that I had I just talked about like some criterions I'd gotten I and some more famous movies that I'd gotten and I love that you called me out on it. It's like, well, you know, look, if you get something from Criterion, you have a general idea of what type of movie you're going to get. I mean, you've probably read reviews of it. You probably, you at least know the reputation. So you kind of know what you're going to get before you watch that movie. And when, when we were talking about it, I love that this ended up being the subject because of the fact that it it kind of ties into what I'm doing with leaving the collection, but also ties into the fact that I've got so many I, I 
I do have so many movies, whether it's a Criterion, whether it's something else that I bought at some point down the road, because it's like, eh, this might be interesting to do. Um, that was interesting watching, and it's, I just haven't gotten around to it. So when we were starting to talk about this, I, what, you know, when you talked about going to garage sales, you talked about going to Dollar Tree, like, is there, I, I, even though you have, you buy a wide swath of movies in those contexts, do you find yourself thinking, well, there's certain genres that kind of interest me more in those those scenarios? I mean, you you bought the entire Buster Keaton Kino collection for two dollars, which I'm abs I'm ev eternally envious of, but um, because I would kill to have that box set for two dollars, um, <laughs> but. Uh, so when you when you go and search out movies for your collection to watch at some point, are you thinking about particular genres, or are you just are you just basically exploring for the sake of exploring? Okay, easiest way to explain it: I buy everything. If I have not seen it, I will buy it. I don't care if it's a kids' movie. I don't care if it's a horror movie. I buy it. And the easiest way I could get even better for you, I'll let you look more inside. I have a friend, so I put a bunch of discs, let's say 30, usually on a shelf at one time. Mm -hmm. And I make him pick numbers between 1 and 30, and that's the movie I watch. Okay. I don't even choose what I'm going to watch. My buddy kills himself, because I'll put a kids movie, horror movies, classic movies, Buster Keaton movies. I'm right now beside me because I have to watch it soon. I have the final hit. With Burt Reynolds, Lauren Holly, and Benjamin Bratt, he picked. This is what I'm watching next. So that is what I go to. So really, I don't have a genre. Now, I will argue for my regular show, yeah, I do watch a lot of new releases first. Right. And I do try to fix in some classics. I mean, I just watch Gaslight because I've always wanted to see it. Yeah. So I got that done. But this weekend, I'll knock off these three Oscar movies. I plan on finishing all the 2022 movies by the end of February. I will not touch 2022 again. So do I have a genre I love? Yeah, it's action. I love action movies. Mm -hmm. But I've seen them all. <laughs> Until I find that pile of Cynthia Rothrock films I remember as a kid with Gino O'Brien, I've never seen a garage sale. <laughs> I probably will keep those forever. Because those are my favorite. But I mean, other than that, no. I will watch anything. So like when I'm listening to your show... If you mention a movie I haven't seen, I write it down. Yeah. And I put it on my list. Obviously, hopefully I find it in a garage. So if not, I will go out and seek it and watch it. Because mm -hmm. I won't listen to your episode until I've seen the movie. And your neuro-Italian realism make me laugh so hard because I've seen most of those films. Yeah. So no, I do not have a particular genre. So I will watch anything. Hence, I do a lot of indie interviews, as you know. Because I do a lot of shorts. I just finished watching about 150 shorts for the Laughing Dog Film Festival that comes up next month. Mm -hmm. I'm good friends with the founder of that. So I guess I'm technically one of the judges because I had to submit what shorts I liked. Okay. They get nominated and I get to pick. So, no, I really have no genre thing. If I'm going to the movies, it's usually action. I will go see an action movie or a mystery. Yeah. Like, I'm excited about Adam Sandler Murder Mystery 2. <laughs> I'm like, oh, good. I love murder mystery. I mean, is it going to be good? No. I expect it to be terrible. But that, to me, is time I get spent with my wife. 
mm-hmm. and she'll be happy because Jennifer Anderson's in it. She's a terrible actress. Don't care. I get spent spend time with my wife. So right. that's why I'm excited. So genres to me, yeah. Like I just sorry to go back to this. I just picked up a Jerry Lewis cartoon in the summer. Nutty Professor cartoon. I don't think you've ever seen it. Ever even heard of it. I didn't even hear. I didn't even know there was a cartoon of that. Next time you talk, I will go grab it and bring it. I found it for a dollar. I picked it up. Perfect. I'll watch this. Okay. So, yeah, when I go to the Dollar Tree, I tend to pick up a little more horror, I guess, because that's what I find mostly there. Right. right. And anything Asian. I love Asian mm-hmm. cinema. So, yeah. there's my answer. Long, okay. Long-winded answer to get to the point that I don't really have but, one. But the fact of the matter is, I mean, especially especially when you talk to somebody about who watches a lot of movies, it is going to be a tough thing to answer when it comes to, well, what's your favorite? Do you have a preference? Because, I mean, I've, I, my preference, like you are with action films, I kind of am with sci-fi films. I love science fiction. Sometimes I like more science fantasy, space operas, stuff like that. But... I do prefer, I do lean in more towards cerebral science fiction. I'm a fan of that oh. genre nominally. So, um, but the fact of the matter is, I try to watch as much, I try to watch as much as I can. And that's one of the things that I love. That's why I love going to film festivals. That's why I love going to the Atlanta Film Festival. That's why I get, love going to Renegade. That's why I've enjoyed, that's why I enjoyed doing Sundance the past two years. I don't necessarily just stick with the movies that are known. The ones that it's like, oh, the big stars and stuff like that. Yeah, I'll probably see those, but I might miss some of them. If I skip those at a film festival, that's fine because chances are I'm going to hear about it later down the road. I'm much more interested, and this is one of the things I especially love about the Atlanta Film Festival. And one of the things that's been fascinating with them, especially as they've gone hybrid with in-person as well as online, is that the online is almost a completely different festival. You'll see some of the films from the main festival, but you're going to see a lot that that are not playing in theater at a screening and those are ones I'm always interested in doing. Two of, two of my favorite films from this past year that were on my list were from the online offering at the Atlanta Film Festival. And it's because of the fact that it's like, I'm, I have an idea of what I'm going to get from those film festivals. So it's like, I'm interested in checking out what they have to offer. Oh, Wow. When was that done? Let me unmute myself. Um, I just found the Nutty Professor forum, which I've never seen a copy of. It doesn't even tell me on the back here. I don't know. Okay. But join Drake Bell from TV's Drake and Josh and Jerry Lewis. But it's animated. That has to be that has to be relatively recent because that's obviously not. Animation. Okay, okay, while you're doing this, you asked me what I bought at the Dollar Tree. So I went, okay, just so people know, in Canada we have Dollar Tree, but they do not sell DVDs. Hmm. DVDs do not exist. So I was in Buffalo, so I got a few of the DVDs I bought at the Dollar Tree. 
I've never seen Gary Oldman's Mary, so I picked this up. I picked up Dark Was the Night because I love Marissa Tomei. Mm-hmm. So that's why I picked this up. Um, that was not Dollar Tree, sorry. Something called Digging to China with Kevin Bacon in it. I'm just like, this looks oh. interesting. So hold on, I'm just trying to... Uh, I'm trying to... Oh, there's one more in the Dollar Tree. I grabbed a whole stock of stuff, but that wasn't the Dollar Tree. Like S&M Man. I don't know what... you never heard of this. <laughs> but see, see, it's like this. Like, stuff like this is what I want to get you to see. Like, here's a Regina King, Craig Schaefer, Blair Underwood. Truth be told, for a dollar. Hmm. How, who's going to find that? Who's going on streaming going, hmm, I need to watch Truth Be Told tonight? Nobody right. knows where that is, even though this exists. And this is an old blockbuster rental. And I, I've never seen this one this year. Kill Me Three Times with Simon Pegg. I thought I'd seen every Simon Pegg movie. Oh, wow. I guess I missed my letterbox. So I picked that up. And I love Jim Caviezel, Greg Kinnear, Bridget Monaghan. And I picked up Unknown. Hmm. And I mean, I'm just going to show you these quickly. Do it for Uncle. <laughs> Uncle Manny. Who's... I never heard of these films. That's the stuff I want people to know. This is what I do. I go to sales. I literally will buy everything I haven't seen. Yeah. But I did get the whole season of The Shield for two bucks. I'm so... Which I have not finished. So I will get to it. Because hey, I'm, I mean... I'm not... I'm, I'm, I'm the opposite of Meredith. <laughs> I've watched two seasons of The Shield. I have three to go. It might take me five years to get to those. Right. So people, this is the way my brain works. Literally, if I haven't seen it, I buy it. Yeah. For a dollar. That's my rule. It can't be more than a dollar. Mm-hmm. Now, if I can get them two for a dollar, even better. Because I say, hey. Right. I show them the titles. And people usually give me a deal. Yeah. Now, if we had later and off there, I'll tell people. I have this. Have you ever remember those vampire... I can't remember. When Magic came out, they had a vampire game at the same time. Do you remember the... You probably don't. If you don't remember Magic the Gathering, they had a vampire game. Hmm. Later on, when you talk again, I'll go get you this vampire movie I guarantee you've never heard of. Okay. And it's got like five movies. And I picked up a garage sale. And the funny thing is, the garage sale was run for a guy I work with. (laughs) And he said, oh, I have a bunch of movies. I bought out a DVD store. And it was all Blu-rays, but he goes, I got these DVDs I don't want. Why don't you come by and look and just pick up what you need? Right. And I'll go get it for you later. So stuff like that. Cool. Yeah. I mean, you know, and it's funny because of the fact that you definitely, you definitely have some movies there that you've heard of the people who are in them. You know, it's like you, you, you talk about a Kevin Bacon movie or Gina King, Simon Pegg. Those are clearly actors that you hear that you've heard of. And one of the things I do like about that idea is finding movies with people that you like that are, that are available. Okay. Yeah. I haven't heard of that one. Yeah. I'm showing him a copy of the complete vampire collection, the kindred, the embrace. Okay. It's a two disc box set with three movies on it for a dollar, less than a dollar. Okay. Well, Hey. Where are you going to find this streaming? Yeah, exactly. So no, it, that's my argument, people. Stop watching Spider-Man 15 times because you're not going to get anything out of it. <laughs> Go watch something new. Try. You might find an actor or actress or actor in general or somebody you love you've never heard of. Yeah. No, go absolutely. expand that horizon. I'm not saying don't go to the multiplex. I don't ever say that because Brian won't have a job, which I don't want that. 
expand the horizon. Like, I'm not saying don't watch the new Super Mario film. I'm saying, yes, watch a Super Mario film, but look for a voice you like and see what else they've done. Not Chris Pratt. Like, the guy playing Wario. Like, he's probably a nobody. Go see what he's done. Right. Expand that horizon. And sometimes you're going to see a bunch of crap. Like, opening night I watched with 20 people and it was terrible. <laughs> but you've got to expand your horizons. And I absolutely love that philosophy when it comes to actors and actresses. When I wrote about uh, Martin Scorsese, you know, the whole controversy with Martin Scorsese ways, you know, the the people who bit, give him crap about what he talks about when it comes to modern movies and Marvel and all of that stuff. Look, he's he's right. That's just the bottom line. He's right. It's getting worse. That's all there is to it. Uh, you can read Hold on. thoughts on that. I'm going to defend. Hold on. Let's back this up. Okay. You don't have young children, okay? First of all. Okay? I have a 15-year-old girl. Right. Okay? She likes Marvel movies. And that's fine. Okay? I, like Marvel movies I take her to see Marvel movies. Why? Because she likes them. And also, I'm hoping one day, like me, that she'll expand her horizons and start watching Kurosawa. And Tarkovsky. But I didn't start there. You didn't start there. No. We have to love cinema first, Martin. I mean, I can't let my 15-year-old watch Taxi Driver. I'm sorry. It's not going to happen. No. But I hope at 21, she says, I want to watch Taxi Driver. (laughs) But she's got to have that love. And the love starts in the teens. It's like all of us listening to pop music. We have to expand from there. I Look, okay, look. I'm not saying don't love Marvel movies. I love Marvel movies. I, I've watched all of... Well, okay, with the exception of What If, I've watched all of the Marvel Cinematic Universe oh, projects. All of it. Soaked it up. What If is the only one that I have not watched. but It's okay. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Uh, there's certainly some episodes I'm more curious about than others. But the fact of the matter is, it's like I, I love the way that they're trying to do this shared universe. Do I think it... Do I think they help themselves with seven, eight projects a year? No. And I hope they slow down. But the fact of the matter is, it's like, what basically what Marty is getting to, and yes, I agree with you, you have to have the love of movies first. And I certainly would not have gotten into World Cinema, Tarkovsky, Kurosawa, if it wasn't for that love of movies. Although, actually, if you... Listen to me on the Close Watch podcast where we talked about The Crow. I talk about how it was a line in a review about The Crow that got me interested in watching Stalker by Tarkovsky. And because of the fact that there, that comparison was there, I was obsessed with The Crow at the time. And it's still one of my favorite movies of all time. But when I saw that, I'm like, okay, Stalker, that's interesting. So, you know, I started looking up reviews as the internet started to proliferate. You know, I learned Molten's Guide. I looked up Stalker. What is this? Oh, that's kind of interesting. I was curious, and then I finally saw it, and it's like, okay, I'm not completely on board with this. I'm not completely against it, though. This one's definitely... I'm definitely getting into this movie more than I expected. That's how I started my Tarkovsky run. You know, you hear enough about Star Wars. You know you hear about how it was inspired by Flash Gordon. You hear about how it was inspired by Hidden Fortress. So that's going to lead you into Kurosawa. 
you know, and you talk, you, and then you've got Quentin Tarantino, you've got all of these other filmmakers who they will openly talk about their influences, seek out the films that they are talking about, you know, especially if you love movies, seek out the movies that they are talking about. And I love, but what I was going to say is I love your idea, finding an actor and then just going hog wild in their filmography. I did that with Brandon Lee. I've done that with crushes back in the day of Claire Danes, of Diane Lane. I've done that. And so much fun to see what these actors are like at different perspective points in their lives, what choices they make. The choice I I don't like all of the movies I see from those actors, but I'm always interested if they're going to be in it. And I love that idea of if you have an actor that you enjoy, don't just focus on the big movies. You know, you you enjoy you love Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man, great. That's fine. You enjoy him as Sherlock Jr.? Great. Maybe see what you did in Chaplin. Maybe see Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. See some, maybe watch him in Soap Dish. You know, check out and see how all of those fit in with that persona that you love about him. And, you know, my mother, when she was a rabid fan of Mel Gibson, this was well before Passion of the Christ. And, you know, I've kind of talked about this on the podcast before, but, you know, she watched everything of his. She checked, she looked at everything. We had basically everything he did in one form or another in the house. So it's like we had his earliest films, we had the Mad Max films, we had Lethal Weapon, we had Bird on Wire. We had some of his Australi other Australian work. We had the stuff that he did with Peter Weir. We had it all. Right now, I have no interest in watching anything Mel Gibson does for other reasons besides his talent. I do think Mel Gibson is a talented filmmaker. I will always, I will always defend him as a filmmaker and as an actor. Cannot defend him as a person. And I'm curious to see, but if he does something that's kind of interesting, which right now he's not, um, I will be kind of curious to see what that looks like. And I, that's something I have to reckon with. And I, you know, it's like the, the whole discussion, and, you know, we're kind of getting into, this is kind of getting into a whole discussion of, you know, not of putting filmmakers or artists that do shitty things or ultimately outed as shitty people away. Like I love Josh, I love Joss Whedon projects. I love Buffy the Vampire Slayer, love Angel, love Firefly, all that. I don't need to see another Joss Whedon project, but I am grateful for the ones that we have because I love those and they were a fundamental part of my life. It's hard to it's hard to let go of something that is so formidable in your life. Which we kind of got off topic, but at the same time... It's we like are, kind of that was you, not me. That yeah. was you oh, went yeah, off topic. I, I, I'm totally yeah. on topic. 
I'm not going to say anything other than people. I don't care what an actor does. If I like their stuff, I will watch it. Period. I separate the art from reality. I don't hang out with them. My argument is don't hang out with the person if you don't like them. Yeah. If you enjoy what they do, watch your stuff for the do. And that's it for me. Mm-hmm. I don't judge people outside of that. Obviously, they get canceled by cancel culture. It's not my fault. I'll still watch if they make it. And they ultimately don't get canceled because they find ways to make their movies and filmmaker filmmaking any way, shape, or form. But um, Roman Polanski's my argument. He hasn't been oh, canceled. Yeah. And he still makes great films. So yeah, if I mean he's still allowed to do what he does. Yeah. I think we. Can't have it. Woody Allen's another one a lot of people have issues with, but I'm like, Manhattan, uh, his movies are beautiful. I will mm-hmm. watch his movies for his movies. That's it. Yeah. I'm not judging the person. Yeah. But, um, no, but what was, what was original, how I originally got on that subject, though, was we're, we were talking about the idea of finding actors that you like, finding filmmakers that you like, and basically following to them to the highest mountains of art to even the lowest depths of art. And, you know, it's funny because when we get to the movies, I was originally going to have a different subject. I was actually originally going to have a different film that we were going to be talking about with this discussion. And I was... We were... I tried. I tried to find it. Yeah, but... And the fact of the matter is, it's like, I didn't want you missing... Stuff because of the fact that you didn't understand, you didn't have the, uh, you didn't understand the French. Uh, Listen, the French. I looked for I you. Should we tell them the name of the film. We're going to get into this. It okay. was on. So, I tried no streaming service. I listen. I got even better. My daughter speaks French. She said she would sit there and translate it for me, <laughs> just so I could watch your film. <laughs> so okay. So the film is, and if you are a Patreon, I actually did this for leaving the collection because it is going to be leaving the collection. We'll talk more about it. Well, send it to me so I can watch it. And then we can do it on your next show. I will definitely do that. So the movie was a 2003 movie called Lost Junction, made by somebody I've never heard of, but starring Nev Campbell, Jake Busey, and Billy Burke. And it's actually a film noir it's kind of a Southern Gothic film noir. It's kind of, it, there are moments where it kind of reminds me of Detour, the Ulmer film. And it, I liked it. And I, so it's funny because I had originally gotten it, and I'll go ahead and get into this because we're not going to be talking about it, you know, officially for this. I had originally gotten it because as you, if if you're a longtime Sonic Cinema reviewer person, you know that there's a section on Sonic Cinema for commentaries. My friends and I did fan commentaries for movies. That's kind of how the idea of talking about movies in this relative format started. The reason I bought Lost Junction was because I had this idea, because I adore Mystery Science Theater 3000. I had this idea of doing buying a movie I'd never seen before, and doing sort of a mystery science theater type thing. I'm not as funny as they are. I can't write as funny as they are. So I, I'm, I'm not even going to try bother. I'm not going to try. But when we start, especially when we started talking about doing this episode soon, I'm like, 
I have not actually watched that. That is actually an excellent film to do this. And we were originally going to do this. Do Lost Junction. Unfortunately, if you look it up on Just Watch, it's not even listed on Just Watch. How fucking obscure does a movie have to be not to be on Just Watch? This, you know, the site where even if it's not on a streaming service, we'll tell you it's not on a streaming service. <laughs> if you search Lost Junction on Just Watch, it shows a lot of Lost movies. It doesn't show that specific movie. And it was an MGM release, which goes into a whole, which goes into just how chaotic MGM is now. And I bought this on DVD, and it's so like, it ended, you know, again, if you're a patron, you can listen to the Lost the Collection, lose Leaving the Collection episode. But, um, yeah, it's an interesting, uh, so we had to pivot at the last minute. You had told me, what, Monday? Sunday or Monday, I think. No, it was Sunday. We're like, uh, yeah, I can't find your film. And it's like, I could find it on YouTube, but or I could find it somewhere, but it's in French. And it's like I can I can understand some of it. It's like okay, no, we're we're gonna pivot. We're we're gonna pivot. I've got other movies in my collection I haven't seen, so I I went through my collection, which I have listed on Letterbox. I I basically shaded everything that I had watched. So it's like okay, what haven't I seen? I've got a lot of movies in there that Meredith brought into the collection that I haven't seen. But for the sake of argument with this discussion, it that doesn't fit it because I didn't buy it. Meredith bought that. So it doesn't really qualify. So I was basically boiling it down to a couple of sets that I bought. And I kind of regretted after I started watching my movie, not picking for the other set, that's a ten, the ten movie uh, canon box set that I got from Walmart a couple of years ago, because there's still a lot of movies in that that I haven't seen. But instead, I chose a movie from a collection called Drive-In Cult Classics. It has eight movies on two discs. This is how the discs are, just in a sleeve. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to read the summaries of some of these movies. And it's like, okay, we'll go with this one. I'm glad that I have, an, I have a platform in which to talk about the movie that I chose called The Stepmother from 1972. Although I think, yeah, is it 72 or 74? It's 70, it's 72. Because this is, I'm not quite sure what to make of this movie. It might be one of the strangest movies I've ever discussed on this podcast. And bear in mind, I did an entire episode on Ed Wood. I did an entire episode on Ed Wood. This is still arguably the strangest damn show. Stramp damn movie I've ever covered on the Sonic Cinema podcast. I'm dying. I, I'm, <laughs> I 100% agree with everything you said. So 
I was working out tonight with my workout buddy, and we were talking about the show I was going on tonight. And I said, I have to tell you what I watched the other day. He goes, what? And I gave him the highlights. He's like, what? I'm like, <laughs> and he's like, that's it? I'm like, I can't explain it to you. Literally, that is the four or five major plot points to the film. I don't want to ruin it until we get into it. And he's like, really? I'm like, and I told him the ending. And he just stared at me going, what? I'm like, that's the ending. So, you know, I told you before we started recording that I, when, when I was watching your movie, I kind of stopped taking notes. Not because I didn't have anything to say, but because of the fact that I had a basic idea. A, I watched it a couple of hours ago, so I mean, I, it was going to be relatively fresh in my head when we talked about it. But also, there's not really a whole lot to say about this movie. I, I, the way it goes about its things is very straightforward. I kind of got the same place with the stepmother because of the fact that it's like, what the fuck? Can I say about this? Oh, this I have many things to say. Movie. Okay, <laughs> let's start. Let's just pick one movie to start. We'll start with the stepmother first. Yeah, we're now. On this it. is we're the thing going... I was thinking. Yeah. I first wrote. I wrote. Wow, this quality of this film sucks. Yeah. Who filmed this? It's terrible. I, <laughs> like, I think... is somebody in the back there with a bad filter? So you're clued into the quality of the film. It, first of all, it's a 1972 film. You've probably never yeah, even heard a... of it because <laughs> nope. it's it. You know, it's in a collection called Drive-In Cult Classics. That kind, of, which I don't even know how you could consider this movie a cult classic. I I mean, I can see <laughs> a couple people maybe enjoying it, but even then, it's Nobody it's one of those movies. It, it's almost one of those movies like The Room. Where it's like I, you know, it's like I, I can't watch the room. I, I understand oh, to a certain extent. I, I love the room. I understand it to a certain extent. I can't watch the room though. It's just too painful. But I the think, scary thing is, the room is better filmed than this. And I don't know how that's humanly fucking possible. So <laughs> this is one of the worst film so, movies so, I've ever seen so in my the life. First, the first thing that clues you in is to the quality of this movie. Early on in the movie, you are looking at a woman lying in bed. One of the main characters, Margot, the the main woman in the movie, the stepmother. I'm glad you remembered her name. I've already forgotten. I I wrote down the I wrote down her name and literally no, well okay there was one other name that I wrote down Franco so Franco her husband Goop was the other name Goop was the other name <laughs> and I love okay before we get to anything else I love the fact that during the opening credits and so and so as Goof I love that <laughs> a character named Goof has the and credit in an, in a movie that is fascinating to me. There's so many things that fascinate me, but the thing that lets you in on the filmmaking quality of this movie is you see Margot, the main character, basically lying in bed. Her back is to the camera. She's lying still. And you can see little movements in the camera. You're not supposed to move the camera in moments like that. (laughs) So you clearly are seeing somebody who is not comfortable operating a camera 
And I feel like in because you see, and then you see another, and then that scene goes on with a man almost kind of attacking her, but they end up having sex. And I swear to you, you see the set. You see the edge of the set at one point in the movie. It's like, are you kidding me? But okay, this, this I want to get even before we get to the sex scene. I was sitting there, terrible music. I go, Brian must be plugging his ears. That music was so bad. I'm the lead, and I'm like, who wrote this? Look, this there, is terrible. Look, there, there is. I I've watched enough Mystery Science Theater three thousand in Rift Tracks to know. I recognize when a terrible soundtrack is about to happen, but there are some times where the soundtrack is just so terrible and just so bizarrely wrong, you can't help but get fascinated by it. And this was an example of that. It's it's on the par it's on par with Manos the Hands of Fate in that respect. It that is and as well as its filmmaking quality. But it's so this movie I, I and first of all, I love how the whole stepmother angle doesn't even really come in until halfway into the movie. <laughs> I um, wouldn't even say till the last twenty minutes. Oh yeah, and then it gets really fucking weird. It's like Oh, hell? we're gonna get there. That's <laughs> later. How this movie never hit well, okay, I understand how this movie never hit Mystery Science Theater. It's a bit too explicit. But you would think at least... Rift oh, no, they should have done this because I want to do a full commentary track it, at on least, this. At least Rift Tracks should have done because that would be hilarious. But, um... So, this movie basically starts with the main character, Mar... Or, the main woman character, Margot. I didn't even write down the actors' names because I truly... Who cares? They're all bad! Um, they're all terrible. But... And she's having sex with this woman, this one guy, who basically starts by attacking her. It's like, really? This is how this movie's beginning? It's like a rape. I thought it was yeah. a rape scene. It was turns off. And then we see her, we see her husband. He's coming back from a business trip and he comes and he's outside of their house and he sees the guy and his wife in the window. So he's, he snaps, and he basically attacks the guy, kills the guy, and puts his body in a ditch. And in an amazing coincidence, a woman's body ends up in the ditch with the guy's body. There are times where this movie is almost a police procedural. There's a lot of different genres going on in this movie. There's soap opera, there's murder mystery, even, well, okay, there's police procedural because you know who killed him. But it's, and then there are some moments that are just absolutely sublimely bizarre. Like, the friends come by the next day and they get the couple to the beach. They're playing on the beach. And they, these are adults. Like, who... What the hell? These are not teenagers. Hold They're on. Adults. You're missing the best part of the beach scene. In my notes, I wrote, it's a beach movie. Can they literally shoot the scene like one of those um, beach movies? Yeah. 
You know, when they're all right, Frankie Avalon, and they look like you're waiting for them to break out into song. Like, <laughs> literally, it's how it was filmed. No, my favorite part of that scene is when when the the guy who killed his woman, his wife's lover, is going up to the house, and he's having flashbacks, of, or he's having visions of the guy he killed. And I made the Oh note, no, you for he runs you forget, he runs back to the house. Yeah. Is he hungry? He doesn't walk, he just leaves the beach and goes on a run. And the way but the way the the visions are filmed, you're like, is he haunted by his murder or is he longing for That's the victim? Right. No, Which one never explained. <laughs> Nobody knows. There's a little bit of psychological aspect because he ends up accidentally killing somebody else later so it's like wait a minute does he become a serial killer now and this is i want to back up even further okay hold on you forgot about when he's flying on the plane you see it's a twa spot it's twa plane and they show up later so in my notes i'm like is this film sponsored by twa because they really focus on twa (laughs) yeah does he become a serial killer i'm sitting there going I, you know the guy on the roof is going to die the way they shoot it. But I'm like, is every scene shot the same way? Yeah. Literally, there are just two people standing in front of the camera talking every shot. Except for a, the beach run. It is a low-end TV movie. But the thing Terrible. is, it's, an, it's made in 1972, but looks like it was filmed on video. Like, really low-end video. And it's like... This was made in 1972. Why does it look like a movie from like the a, a low budget movie from the 80s? And it's like, but you can tell by literally everything in the movie, it's made in the 70s. There's, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Who builds a house with no money? I'm still trying to figure that out. Did you see this house they were building? I thought they were just building a house. No, <laughs> building a mansion. <laughs> Yeah, he, he's a real estate developer, and he doesn't seem to be a very good one. No, but he's at the office always looking for these papers. Yeah. In 1972, <laughs> was it all paperwork? And that's <laughs> all he's doing is paperwork. They go to the construction site, there's nobody there. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's, it, yeah, you would think somebody would be working, but, you know. And I don't mean to be rude. It's 1972. They need $175,000? That's to finish the that's a lot of money to finish this house. My my parents bought our house in Georgia for not even that. It's well, like, there's my point. What, what the hell? I mean, it's it's just this is such a an absurd movie from start to finish. Okay, I need some help. Okay. You gotta help the people that watch this. Now, remember when he pushes the other business partner off the roof? Yeah. Okay, he dies. Then he hook is he hooking up with the other woman? I I could I could not figure that out for the life of me. It's driving like me nuts. I'm were. like It felt like they were because of the fact that when they go to the restaurant, he sees his wife with somebody else. He makes the comment, it's like, oh well, I mean, you know, it's like she makes the comment about, you know, his wife or somebody and it's like, oh well, I mean, we're we're hanging out back here. I want to be back here. It's like so clearly he doesn't want his wife to be seeing this. 
But it's like, yeah, you never get, you're never quite sure if you get that idea whether they're hooking up. It's well, I couldn't figure first. that out. Yeah. I was kind of like, what is going on? This movie is, why is she covering for him, too? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't understand. And if we're going to get even more bizarre, when the cop is standing outside his house with his camera taking photos of, like, what are you taking photos of? Yeah. There's literally nothing to take a photo <laughs> of other than him walking inside his house. And then at the end of the film, when they find the shovel in the back of the car, what what idiot puts his shovel in the car? I can't figure that out. And then the gardener has his shovel engraved to his name? Yeah. (laughs) What? uh, I don't mean to be rude. Obviously, the guy's from Mexico. I pretty much presumed he was an illegal immigrant or something. Has his equipment with his J on it? And (laughs) I'm like, what? We still haven't got to the good parts. No, no, we haven't gotten to the fact that 45 minutes in, uh, the real estate developer's uh, step or son comes in. Magically shows up. Magically shows up. I don't, yeah, I don't even think they mention. I think they mentioned him like once or twice in passing. But did, I don't think they did. But yeah, 45 minutes he shows up. It's like, oh, hey, finally, we're at the point where she is a stepmother. And I, I, what? I, that's I, what I was trying to figure out why this movie's called Stepmother. And I love that there's evident there's a, supposedly and there there's supposedly animosity between the white the the stepmother and the son. And she says, "I I thought you didn't like me because of the fact that I was a gringa." And it's like that's that's not necessarily it. And it gets into this, okay, almost as insane, actually even, no, not almost as insane as the fact that our main character becomes a serial killer. Um, the stepmother sleeps with her husband's son. No, she doesn't. She seduces his ass. Yeah. Like, one of them goes after him, but you're forgetting my favorite scene. <laughs> when they're having sex, the father and the stepmother, he's listening on the wall with a glass. Oh, God. Don't oh, God. forget about that, because oh, that sets up that scene. Oh, so God. we know he wants her. I'm like, what the hell am I watching? I'm thinking it's going, where did Scott find this film? <laughs> <laughs> That's all it's going through my this, this discount set of eight films. That is where I found this film. And now, you know what? I almost where Walmart, Best Buy, some weird pop mod pop video got, store. The thing is, I no, no, that's not good enough. Your listeners need to know where you shop to find this. I, I need to, I need to remember that. I, I know it wasn't a main store like Best. Best Buy. Or oh, we know that. Like that. I want. I figure it PD's uh, house of DVDs. I might. Have, I I want to say it might have been at Movie Stop or something like that back when Movie Stop. I don't know what a Movie Stop is, but it sounds. So is that it, like a weird cult store? So so Movie Stop was basically similar to GameStop, where it's like oh, they, okay. they basically they they basically specialize in discount used DVDs and movies. I th- so like I an FYI? That was probably where I got that. 
and that would make a lot of sense. But so, I, it's like, where did, like, how do you, I, I love that it's cult classics because, again, I've never heard of any of these films. Um, pick up the sister-in-law, the t- teacher, which apparently is from the same director as this movie. Uh, Trip with the teacher, starring Zalman King, of all things. I had no idea he acted. Best friends, Cindy and Donna, and Malibu High. Yeah, never heard of any of these movies. But so, how much did this cost? This it is was the big cheap. question. Oh, it, it was it was cheap. I don't even think it was ten bucks. I don't even think it was ten dollars. It was. It had to have been. Had to have been cheap. It, I know it wasn't. It wasn't like. I mean, I I bought a box set. I I bought like a multi disc set of one time of like Alfred Hitchcock's British, most of Alfred Hitchcock's British films and stuff like that at Walmart for like five bucks. So okay, it, I it do had have to a question. Between five to ten dollars. Yeah. When you're watching this film and seeing him get grilled by the cops a new a couple times. Yeah. Did any time did it think of you? Where's his lawyer? I'm like, did he not want to call a lawyer at some point? I I think at that point, I just gave up on any sort of logical happenings occurring in this movie. So I didn't even think about the fact that he didn't have his lawyer present. Well, I love that they go back to the TWA. I'm like, they must have sponsored this pile of crap. I mean, they had to get the money from somewhere because I I don't know how else you fund this movie. Um, (laughs) Now, I do have another question. Could you do a better editing job than this guy? Editing is terrible. God, I would fucking hope so. I was trying to watch this and you're getting into a scene. It's like, oh, we're over here. What, What are you doing? What? We haven't finished that scene. Well, and he also does these very basic transitional white, transitional tricks that, like, this is the type of thing that Mystery Science Theater makes fun of if you do this. Like, you, the way they do, like, slow motion and stuff like that, it's like, what are you doing here? And it's funny because I, I will say... This ended up being, I, I will say, it's like as much as I lament that we couldn't talk about Lost Junction, because I do have a lot to say about Lost Junction. But I promise you, I next will, time I go on, we'll do Lost Junction. But one of the things I do want to say is, I, I love that this, these two movies, these are the two movies that ended up being paired together, because this, the stepmother is. It unintentionally funny in so many ways, and your choice is intentionally funny, and I completely got bored with it, and I cannot. Oh, it's a terrible film. My choice. Don't worry, we're gonna get there. But now I do have another question for you about this film. Yeah, remember when the woman was drawing all the time? Yeah, clearly fake. I'm like, she ain't drawing anything. I'm like, come on, guys. (laughs) (laughs) She's serious going up the same thing over and over and over again. I'm dying. I'm like, why? Who? How do these people get even paid for this pile of crap? This is, you know, it's funny because of the fact that there's there's a part of me because 
Have you ever seen Beyond the Valley of the Dolls? I've seen both. There's two of them, isn't there? Yeah. I'm, I'm talking, I haven't seen Valley of the Dolls, but I'm talking specifically of the one that Roger Ebert co-wrote. Yes, I've seen it. Okay. So, you know, I couldn't help but think of that movie when it comes to this movie, except that movie is something that is intentionally amusing and entertaining, even though it is still fairly low rent in a lot of ways. This movie clearly, I can't, there's, there are times where I'm like, oh, they can't possibly be serious with this. They can't possibly think that what they're I think they were. But I think they were. The way that everything happens at the end of the movie and that ending, which is like, uh, what the fuck what? just happened with that movie? Do you uh, want to discuss the ending? Would okay, you want to? Re- so, I'm going to leave it. I could not say. I want people to see the ending of this film. I'm leaving it alone. Of the, and it's on Tubi. It's it's on Tubi, so you can watch it that. Not way. in Canada, people. Okay, Only in so the U.S. In the U.S., it is on Tubi, um, and I'm sure you've got to be able to find it on YouTube or at some point. But I did find it somewhere else. Yeah. So. The ending of this movie, we've already talked about the fact that she basically bangs her her stepson, you know, and it, it it's clear this is this is clearly a loveless marriage. Literally, she banged the dad the night before. Yeah, and it's, it's like it's, literally the night before. This is the next day, and he find he sees them doing it, doesn't he? the The father sees them doing it, right? I how think he, so, but he, it's hard to tell. I can't remember how he... No, there's no way. Because she phones her friend, and her friend says she's away in Mexico for two days. On the answering machine. So the dad is definitely away. Right. So he does not know. Because she calls her friend before she bangs the son. If I remember correctly. But she makes the find, phone call. But he finds out at some point, doesn't he? No, not until the end of the film. Yeah. Because that's the big end of the film. The FWTF moment. It's that moment when the son says something to him. Yeah. And this is also the moment where the cops have put everything together that he's the one who killed his friend or somebody. The the guy from the beginning of the movie. And because I think there were I think they were like neighbors. Like, they knew each other. Yes. So, the cops have realized that he's the killer from the beginning. And they go to... Well, first, okay, before the very, very ending, he is stopped by the cops, and he they basically make it aware that, hey, I think we're kind of on to you. And then yes. it's funny, because at the end of the movie, like, everything comes to a head... The son tells the father what he's doing with his step with the Margot. And at the same time, the cops are coming to, are they coming to basically arrest him? No, I think he's going to turn himself in at that point. Well, he says, it's okay, son. I killed somebody. And then the film ends. But not before he makes a move i think he makes a move on his son he's going to hurt his son or something and the cops come and shoot him is that what happened it was so dark i couldn't figure it out it was so 
abrupt. It's like, yes, okay. And the very end of the movie is the son, son basically kneeling down at his father's dead body. And it oh, is that what that is? Yeah, that's exactly okay. I believe you. It made no sense to me. I'm like, what? I can't see this. The quality was so bad. there's, There's no logic to this whatsoever because how you get to that ending from literally everything else that started is beyond me. And like I said, there's a character named Goof. I wish Goof had more in the movie. Because I would love Goof's to only in on the beach scene. I think Goof's yeah. only in the beach scene. He's only in the beach scene and he only comes to get them to the beach at the That's at it's the, the driver. Beginning. Yeah. But unfortunately we don't get to know more about Goof. I, I would like to know. No, more I about think we Goof. need more Goof. We we need more Goof. I, mean, I, I may need I to need get no, back none in, of these other people get, I want in the know film. What? I may need to get back into screenwriting and tell the story of Goof because that story deserves I, to be told. Listen, I think you should just rework the soundtrack and maybe work on the editing <laughs> and can just fix a whole ton of it. So I can actually understand the ending. <laughs> I mean, I don't even know if that's humanly possible. Even if I could get all the footage together, because it feels like all of the footage that was shot is what's on the It's screen. used. <laughs> like, it doesn't feel right. like there's any real editing between different types of coverage at all. It's like, oh, we're going to point the we're going to point the camera. You're going to do the scenes. That's it. It it is quite I literally think... the Ed Wood way of making film. We need to contact Tommy Wiseau and get him to do a remake. I, 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 I wouldn't want to do that to him. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't want to do that. I think he would do a great job. I, 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 I agree, but I, don't, I wouldn't want to do that to him. I, I really don't. I, I, uh, I, I, I think that's, this is, this, that would, I, I think that would ruin his reputation. There are other oh, filmmakers. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't mind seeing, take a stab at this. But yeah, I Kevin I, Smith. <laughs> I'd love to see Kevin Smith remake this. This I I will say this is the type of thing I think he would have a blast with. But um, yeah, it's it's just one of those movies. It like I said, in America it's on Tubi. Check it out. It is it's bad. Before shit we go, insane. I have an idea. Maybe we take out Franco and put in James Franco. And then we could just recast it around there. It'd be a much better film. It would make more sense yeah. as James Franco being this scummy well, guy that nobody likes. Well, see, and the funny thing is, it's like, I... So, you know, the the main character is uh, clearly Mexican. You know, he's, he's, yes! he's clearly Mexican. So, you know, do you want to have true reputation representation with this or would you just be too embarrassed to ask a Mexican actor to oh, play this game? Antonio Banderas would be up for anything I'll get Antonio Banderas to do it that would be amazing he he, he would be like, amazing. he would do a good he, job he would be amazing as the main character he, he, he and Salma Hayek is the stepmom we could just know, reunite actually, them again or you know what Get Antonio Banderas and Penelope Cruz to do this. Get there you go. Almodovar. Yes. 
beautiful work of art. Could you imagine if they did that? That would this be film made sense. That would that would be amazing. It would win all the Oscars. It would be phenomenal. Um, okay, I think we've cracked this. I I think we've cracked dude, this. Dude, like I think everybody who needs Lacey to see Stepmother. Alberto and Iglesias would nail the fucking soundtrack. We're good. <laughs> no, no. We're good. I want a scuttle soundtrack. I don't know. No. Nope. No. Nope. Okay. We need a scuttle soundtrack. Scuttle okay. needs to get to that next level. Okay. All right. I looks like it's back to me doing this. Um Okay. Because yeah, I, I want you to fix this music <laughs> and I know you could do it. Yeah. There are a lot of choices in this movie, and none of them are good. But the thing is, it's like, I, I, as much as I'm like, oh, you know what? I really wish I had picked something from the canon box set for this. The fact of the matter is, I'm glad I finally broke out one of the movies from this one because it's like, okay, now I kind of know what I'm going into for the rest of these movies. Okay, hold on. I can I go into what we discussed today because I texted you yesterday and you told me I'm going to tell people what we said that oh I want to do a canon movie. I'm like yeah, go ahead. I'm just about to watch this. I'll I'll watch a canon movie instead. What did you say? Because it made me laugh I, so hard. <laughs> okay, wait. I'll get bring up my text messages. You got to bring this yeah. up because this okay, is pretty funny. So, so wait a minute. Uh, where are we? Um, let's see. Let's see. While he's looking, people. Extrafeatures.ca. I'm here. Lots of episodes. Okay. <laughs> At 3.44 p- or 3.34 p.m. yesterday, I texted Simon saying, I should have picked one of the canon films, Dear God, LOL. And you, you said you still can watching it tonight. And I'm like, not with my timeline. I, 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 just, I, I just, well, okay. So part of that is because of the fact that I worked last night and That's I, what I, I had a busy day today. So I knew there was no way I could pivot again to go to see something else. <laughs> that was the so best like, line. No, no, Not on my I, 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 I made my bet. I, I made my bed. I've got to lie with it. But I was, you know what? <laughs> it was worth it because this is such a fucking terrible movie. I was laughing so hard because I'm sitting there. I had to drive my daughter to dance, so which I did. Then I go to the gym for an hour and a half. Then I came home and watched your film. And you're like, not on my timeline. I'm like, I have no timeline. I literally ram movies into my timeline. <laughs> pounding them. Okay, I got an hour 40. What two hour and 13 minute I'm not going to finish this week. Yeah, Exactly. But, uh, no, I, I'm, I, you know what? I mean, I, I think we, you know, we, we have one of the, truly one of the worst movies Sonic Cinema has ever covered. Oh, and you know what? I, I loved it. I, I would do I, another I'm one so of these glad, in a second. I'm so glad that we were able to. Because I'm glad I ha- was able to have this conversation with you because it would have been hard to have this conversation with other people. Well, like, I couldn't I see you having with Timothy Cox. Yeah, I don't. Well, yeah, I, 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 I try to, I try, you know, I try to cover good movies with him. I try to cover classic no, movies with the him. The horror guy would like this. He, he, I mean, he did make me watch End of Days and the Rage Carry 2 a few yes. years ago. So, yeah, I mean, he, you know, he, he, he probably deserves this. 
Um, <laughs> no, it's it's funny. I I'm I'm giving them crap over the years about some of movies because we ended up talking. Actually, we I don't know. We talked about the island of Doc, the '96 island of Doctor Moreau last oh. in 2021. Uh, oh, That's I know. I heard awful it. Fucking movie. It's a terrible. It's an awful film. fucking movie. And I knew it was awful going into that. It's like, yeah. I need to get him back. Actually, this wouldn't be a bad series to. This wouldn't be a bad set. To I could because it'll encourage me to watch more of them. Yeah, it, it's 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 gonna be. I don't know. We we we'll we'll I'll get to that with him later because I mean we we still have to finalize what we're gonna talk what I'm gonna talk about with him. But yeah, stepmother. If you have to be in the U.S. I guess check it out just to see how bad oh, no. it is. Check it out. Uh, Don't listen to him. <laughs> they make it. We review it. It's the Extra Features Podcast motto. I've seen it. You need to see it. Yeah. <laughs> if I yeah if I if I've sat through this, you really do have to sit through this. Oh, um, you need to just for that ending. To explain <laughs> it to us. Yeah. So we are going to move to. Simon's choice, and I will yep. say, and I love when we finally started to reveal our choices to one another. You said that you've had this one chosen for a while, and I'm kind of curious, I did. I'm kind of curious as to why. Oh, because I knew you wanted to blind buy. So this summer, garage sale season started again. During COVID, there were very few garage sales, and the same lady had this movie three years ago. So I was going up to her stall and getting to pick some movies, and it started teeming rain <laughs> out of nowhere. And I'm talking torrential downpour. And this is the big garage sale I go to every year. I pick up a stack of movies every year. So I couldn't this year. So I left it. So I had to wait three years to go back to buy this film, hoping this lady had it. Because mm-hmm. we didn't even get to the bargaining stage. The rain was coming down so bad. <laughs> I just ran back to my car. So I saw this. I'm like, I know Brian has never seen this. I guarantee I need to find a movie that he has never seen, never heard of, and I'm going to make him watch it. And I want it to be so obscure. It's just going to make me laugh. And I love Kung Fu movies. I love action films. Mm -hmm. So I just went by the cover. I didn't read anything about it. I didn't know who was in it. I said, this is why I picked it for Brian. So I bought this movie in July, no, May of last year with (laughs) you in mind for when I came back on this show. I've been saving it to come back here for this movie. And what is the movie in question? Kung Fui. From 2003, directed by Daryl Fong. I will give credit to the, the director of this film because overall, I actually think he doesn't decent job with what he's trying to do. Um, I 100% agree. He he also plays one of the characters in the movie, as does Coleman Domingo. If you're yes. familiar with Coleman Domingo recently, this is an early role with, for him. And when I saw his is name... Is this his set, first? It might be, actually. Let me... I never looked it up because I wanted this just conversation to be fresh. So yeah, let me yeah, Coleman Domingo in it. I couldn't stop laughing. I saw him go, "Oh my god!" Because I didn't even know who was in the movie until the credits showed up. I'm like, "Oh my god, 
<laughs> Coleman Domingo's in there? Yes! Okay, so he had been in a couple of things in the 90s. So he had been in... Uh, let's see. He had been in a video. He had been in a few movies, including Clint Eastwood's True Crime. Uh, he had been in an episode of Nash Bri- a few episodes of Nash Bridges, and a short film. And this so this was, is really his coming out this party. Is, this is one of his early films. So yeah, uh, and then he's gone on to a tours include Freemland, Miracle with Saint Anna, uh, Lincoln, Forty Two. He had roles in those: The Butler, Selma. Uh, Let's see, Assassination Nation, If the Old Street Can Talk. Then recently we've seen him in Zola. We've seen him in Miss Rainey's Black Bottom. We've seen him in Candyman, Euphoria, Fear of the Walking Dead. He's 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 been around and he you do not recognize him in this movie. Oh, one hundred percent I did. Even with that bad wig. <laughs> Uh, he he plays a character named Roy Lee, and it's funny. Have you ever watched The Last Dragon? You know what's 80s? funny? It's sitting on my pile to watch this week. Okay, yeah, definitely watch it this week because I I think I feel like uh, the character of Roy Lee that Domingo plays in this movie is inspired by the main character in The Last Dragon, and I'm okay. curious to see if you agree with me on that. Because I will get back to you. This is because he he plays he plays a black guy who loves kung fu, who who wants to be a karate person, and the main character this and okay look I this movie completely understands what it is. This is and it's funny because of the fact that you know I had the discussion about parody films with Robert Yanis Jr. Uh, last year. And we talked about the the some of the icons. We talked about Blazing Saddles. We talked about Airplane. Talked about scary movies. This so this is a 2003 movie. So this came out after Scary Movie. It arguably does a better job at being a parody than pretty much everything since Scary Movie. It doesn't mean it's not. It, it doesn't mean it's a terribly well made movie. But it understands exactly what it's trying to be. Because it centers on it's it's a kung fu movie, you know, and you you have this this main character who's you know from this ancient temple, uh Shirley Temple. <laughs> so That's the good. level of humor here. Uh that is the level of humor here. And one of the things I do love about that is you have the masters at the temple. You can always you can tell right away that they're bald gaps on. I, oh, they're I love, terrible. I love that you can tell that. I love that you can tell that. The main character is looking after this looking for this mystical beach. And that's basically what this film hinges on. And you see them go to they say British Columbia, but it's very clearly San Francisco. Oh, it's it, Vancouver, it's okay. British Columbia. But it's Vancouver. Okay, because I swear it was the Golden Gate Bridge in the background. But it um, is, yeah, it is. So, but they say in the bottom, Vancouver, British, British Columbia. Columbia. I'm like, nope. Yeah. It's like, Been there. Yeah, no, nope. Doesn't look it. like that. That's not even it. But so this main character 
played by named Art Chu, uh, played by Michael Chow. He is looking for the peach, and it basically goes into a. It is basically a parody of a lot of different martial arts movies, and you get, and you even get a Citizen Kane reference at the beginning, and it's like, oh, okay, I know what we're looking at here. I'm on board. Hold on. I'm the on board. Reference you're looking for is Peach Bud. Peach Bud. Yes. I wrote it down for us. <laughs> it's like the only thing that would make that better is if they mimicked the camera work in Kane. But as it is, it's like, oh, okay, I know exactly what type of movie we're in for. And the thing is, it's like, I, I, the choreography is not terrible in this movie. The choreography is well done. I, I agree. I love that the character i love that this movie just does not take it self seriously nope. but i love that the characters are enjoyable to follow all yes. these characters have personality and it's just it is even if it's not as well done as something like airplane i think it's got the same spirit behind it and that's one of the things i, I like agree. about this movie I want to go back. Did you notice at the temple they have Victoria's Secret magazine? Yeah, but it's not called. But it's not called Victoria's no, Secret. No, it's called though. something else. It's I can't remember. Else. I wrote down. But I, but I, I made I, notes like that <laughs> yeah. as you go. Did you see the names to the masters? Master, master can master card, master swift. Yeah, <laughs> they're yeah. making jokes, and it's just my one of my best jokes that didn't really fell flat. You know, he's walking to Vancouver. Yeah. And the random volleyball player shows up. Like, I, I, I what love the hell? That is, you know, it's like, it, in a way, it feels like he's making fun of Lawrence of Arabia, you know, Lawrence in the desert. He is. But I, I love the way that that happens because of the fact that you see the, it's, it, it, it's very much the same thing as when strikers going through the airport in airplanes. You know, yes. it's, it's it's exactly like that. And he's just coming up with all of these weird things that throughout the, in the desert. And yeah, you, when, you know the type of, let's put it this way, from that sequence, you know the type of movie you're looking at. And it's, this is, I, I just really enjoyed this movie with how silly it is. Everybody is on board with how crazy this movie is. Okay, I like when the fight choreography and you see them doing these great stunts. Then you see them holding two fake shoes. Yeah, I was dying. <laughs> I'm was like, so oh funny. my god, that's so <laughs> funny. I'm like, so I'll give you funny. credit. Yeah, and I think my favorite joke is the one ton joke on wonton. Oh god, and I'm like, that is brilliant. They call him one ton. This big fat guy walks around the whole movie. Yeah. One's called one ton, one's called low fat, the other one's non fat. Yes. Yeah, which was great. Yeah. You're like, <laughs> it, I mean, there's not much to say. It's just no. a bad, bad parody film, but it's so much fun. Now, I want to get back to the music because you're a music guy. This song is excellent. Yeah. The theme song is good. Mm -hmm. Well, it, it fits in perfectly with the tone of what this movie is. It is. I agree. It's, it's absolutely that if you're going to have 
a song for parody if you're going to be making friends, making fun of specific types of movies, you want to replicate that music as well as possible while also making it fun. That's the great thing about that's the great thing about Blazing Saddles is because of the fact that it's like it's having fun with the music and those mu- those songs any Mel Brooks movie really has like great songs that really just make those song those movies pop because of the fact that he understands what good parody is and i i love that this movie you know say what you will about the filmmaking of this movie the the film the story behind it and the idea of doing this type of movie, Daryl Fong completely understands what he's wanting to do. And he he does it with affection. And that is the important thing. Even if it's not great movies, it's fun because he has affection for this, which is more than we can say about a lot of the awful parodies we've had in the past 25 years. Oh, I still think uh, when he meets that guy... And he's doing the terrible dubbing. Why are you doing that? Well, I'm in a movie. This is what we all talk in movies. Oh, my God. Dying. <laughs> when he's doing the Asian parody, I'm like, oh, that yeah. is so good. And I, I love how it's like you have the two white people who walk into a Chinese restaurant. Everybody's like acting, you know, and then the white people leave. And it's like, okay, the white people are gone. And then everybody yes. just is completely normal. And it's so funny. <laughs> I'm like, I like this film because it gets what it's going for. It knows yeah. it's a bad parody and it enjoys itself. Yeah, I mean, and it's, you know, it's one of those, but it's an, it's a bad parody. It's a bad film, but it's a sincere film. And that's the yes. thing. Yes, yes. That's, that's the thing, you know, The Stepmother is a bad movie. It's just a bad movie. Oh, agreed. Because it's not sincere at all. Because it's like, Somebody, nobody thought that movie through. Daryl Fong clearly thought this movie through. Oh, 100%. And that's why it works. And that's, that's exactly why it works. And it's like, you see, you, you can tell that even, you know, in addition to like Bruce Lee movies or stuff like The Last Dragon, he's also making fun of stuff like Bill, Big Trouble in Little China. Like yes, Anything like that, you know. And the, <laughs> the fact that it's a peach. That it, you know, why is it a peach? Doesn't matter. It's funny, especially when you get to the end and there are these two peaches and they're trying to figure out which one is which one. And it's like you send it to the doctor and it's like he's clearly making a meal with it. It's like, what does this have to do with anything? It's like, well, he's making it to go order. He's making it dessert for him. That's clearly what he's doing. And then all of a sudden it's back to normal. Which, okay, but that's the type of movie you're looking at. Hold on. We are listening Miss USA with so good in this. Mm-hmm. I thought she was excellent. Like, just she sort of shows up in Miss USA. Yeah. But my problem is, we get to the end of the film, there's like little <clears throat> her twist with her. I'm like, how is that possible? So the guy that he goes to see must have been on it the whole time. Yeah. Which is never really addressed. No, it really isn't. And, you know, it's, 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 
everybody is just uh, so on board with this movie. It's like, you know, Helen Hugh, the 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 love interest in this movie, Sushi, the the main villainess in this movie, like and, and I, you know, I I love when I love when the those two are fighting and you know or when when Sushi finds her and she's got the one peach down her shirt. And it's like, what's up with your breasts? It's like, you know, it's like, oh, I'll, I'm getting the, I'm saving up for the second one. And it's like, it's just one of those ridiculous things where it's like, well, you're explaining this story. You're explaining it. But yeah, I, it, it's, it, there really is not a whole lot to say about this movie. There's nothing to say. Oh, like, there is. There are great outtakes. The end of the film has some yes. great outtakes. Yeah. And I, I do kind of miss that in previews and in, in movies. And that's one of the things I kind of liked about uh, Ticket to Paradise this year, where it's like, oh, wow, you actually see these people having fun on the movie sets. It's like, we haven't had that in a while. Like, they haven't... Re- I kind of feel like Pixar, when they started doing the outtakes, kind of ruined it for everybody. I mean, I love the Pixar outtakes, but it's like they... After that... People were like, oh, you know what? It's like, we're not going to do this anymore because they they kind of just nailed it. And it's like, no. But my argument is they did it because of Jackie Chan. Jackie Chan does all his outtakes. Well, I mean, they're, yeah, exactly. And I mean, that's that's another thing where it's like, and I I love, like, when you see Jackie Chan, the the, the miss stunts and stuff like that. And that's, that's one of the most fun fun things about some movies when movies do that it's like because not only do you see that a these are professionals but they also occasionally screw up but they're you can also tell they're having fun on these movies and that's the most important thing like you want to be able to feel like the people making the movie are having fun doing it and you definitely get that with this of course you do, but don't we want that from film? Is fun. I mean, that's something we need. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like you know. I I think you know. And look, I love plenty of serious movies, but at the same time, I also want movies that entertain me. And you know, I I I I can. There's a lot to be said. There's a lot to be said about the quality of these two movies. I wouldn't say either of them are particularly high quality i would i would give i i would almost give kung fu a pass because of the fact that it's so much genuine oh, entertainment so bad um but the production values are not great you know but you can nope. and you can tell it was made for practically nothing which is part of the probably part of the reason why peach was the main MacGuffin in this film <laughs> But we got to look at what we're doing here, people. These are blind buys. These are literally movies we've just bought on a whim. I bought mine at a garage sale. He bought his at Movie Stop. Because it's probably $5 for eight movies. And Bryce's like, ooh, eight movies for five bucks. Yes. I'll take that. Yeah. And And that's the way you got to look at these things. Not every film I watch, I expect to be Citizen Kane. No. I and just want to be entertained. And, and you really should not go into watching films that way. You really shouldn't. It's but like, a lot of people do. I know. And it's it's kind of irritating. 
because of and it, it's kind of irritating to see that because of the fact that it's like I I appreciate I certainly appreciate movies that give me a profound experience, but there are sometimes you know I I I think back to 1997 I just started to get published in with my little UB the Crick reviews in the AJC. And I was really starting to get into watching movies. And I kind of I kind of hit a run of movies where it's like, eh, I'm not, am I still enjoying these? Am I still enjoying movies? And then I saw of all movies, Con Air. That's not a great movie. It's a fun fucking movie, though. It's That's a right. blast That's... of a movie. And so like sometimes you need those movies where you're not watching something great, but you just feel good watching them. And that's that's one of the things that I do appreciate about both of these movies is that I know I'm not watching anything great from either of these. I still enjoy watching them. I, In retrospect, it's like, yeah, originally at the start of Stepmother, it was like, oh my God, I made the wrong choice with this. But ultimately, I'm glad because of the fact that I kind of have a feeling based on listening to Simon as well as my few times talking to him that I'm going to have fun talking about this movie, working through my feelings about this movie with him. And I love that. And that's one of the things that is that, you know, and it's like, I love, there are some people whom I absolutely respect them as critics. I love what they have to say as critics. I also feel like they sometimes get too full of themselves as far as what they're looking for in movies. Embrace the silliness of films. Because ultimately, film is a silly medium. It started out as a silly medium. It eventually graduated into profound art but even when it was just a silly medium in like two three real shorts there was still profound art but i love going back and watching old silent shorts like we started out this discussion we we kind of started out started talking about buster keaton i you know not every film he made is as good as sherlock jr or our hospitality or the general you look at some of his shorts i i enjoy his shorts i enjoy some of his features not because of the fact that i think they're great but i think he understood what made people laugh what made people entertained and that's why that's why ultimately i can't even though i recognize the limitations of a movie like kung fu i can't dismiss it because you can tell that the filmmakers and everybody understand what they're doing and they just want to make you entertained for 90 minutes. And I love that. And I love discovering movies like that on a whim, which is part of the whole whole point of blind buying and something that you made me realize too. Oh, well, thank you. I'm glad somebody listens to me. Nobody in my household does, so that's perfect. <laughs> Dude, all I have to say to everybody, there's nothing wrong with going to a Walmart, 
It's not so much Walmart. I'd say Goodwill. We don't have them in Canada. Put your hand out there and look for an obscure title you've never heard of. And don't even read the back. Just look at the front. Hopefully there's somebody in it you know. And if not, that's okay too. And spend the dollar. Take it home and enjoy it. Have fun. And give it away. Don't keep these movies. I tend to take all mine and I return them to the local thrift, local store, so somebody else can enjoy them. Mm -hmm. Because I don't want to collect them. I want people to enjoy these films. I want people to find them like I did. Yeah. You have to keep the cycle going. Because if I'm not giving them, then I'm not going to get more back. It's the way I look at it. Because I don't need to keep Kung Fui, Mm -hmm. but somebody else may find it. And that's what I want. Yeah. No, and that that is a great sentiment. I mean, you and I have different ideas of collecting. And Correct. Hey, that that might be a different conversation that we have down the road. Sure. I, I love that. Um and we have a different we have different ideas on watching movies multiple times. I completely respect what you're going for. You want you want to take in as much as possible. You well, we're not here forever. And I we're all that. going out eventually. Yeah. Let's enjoy what we can. If I can consume another 10,000 movies before I go, yeah, that's 10,000 new filmmakers I may have never seen. Mm-hmm. But most people are still watching their 26 Marvel movies or 32, but how many there are. Right. Well, you've seen them. Expand the horizons. Look for something different. And and the thing is, it's like going back to the Marvel discussion, one of the things that wanted to try to touch on earlier was, you know, and I, I talk, touched on it with the actors, but also with the genres that you cover in Marvel movies. It's like, if you like Shang-Chi, check out other Marvel martial arts films. By exactly. Only, like, find out other stuff that Tony Lung is Go doing. watch Old Boy. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you like Moonlight or Moon Knight, check out something else Oscar Isaac has done. Check out other movies that are... Don't watch Sahara. Do not watch Sahara. Oh, yeah. That's, that's, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's not that great. Um, But, you know, it's like, if you like some of these genres that Marvel is dabbling in with their movies... Check out something in that same genre. Like, there's a huge wealth of movies. And it's like, and it goes to the actors. It's like, you know, check out more stuff that Tony Lung's done. He's had tremendous careers. Oh, just stuff I like, agree. It, it's not just, he's done stuff with One Car Way. He's done stuff with John Woo. And it's like, John Woo's going to take you down another rabbit hole with like challenging oh. facts. And yes. it's it's tremendous. And I love when I first started watching John Woo films, when I got into his Hong Kong movies, I love watching his Hong Kong movies. I love watching the movies he did before he came into America. To a certain extent, almost as much as most of the ones they did in America. But, um, you know, there are so many filmmakers. That's That's ultimately why... While science fiction is my favorite genre, I don't want to limit myself just to science fiction. I respect if you I have agree. a favorite genre. I respect if you have a genre that you feel like you want to go back to time and time again. 
that's fine. Go beyond that. It's like if you see something, and this is another thing that I was talking about in that Martin Scorsese piece where it's like, if, if you like a filmmaker who did, um, you know, say you like Black Panther, the Black Panther movies, you know, in addition to finding out what Ryan Coogler did outside Black Panther, hear what he has to say about what movies influenced him in making Black Panther, making Creed, and watch those movies. Because that's going to take you in an entirely new direction. That's one of the most exciting things for me is, and, you know, we just had the Sight and Sound Best Films of All Time poll come out. And so many people had thoughts on what was on the top of the list and what wasn't. But one of the things I love about Sight and Sound is they post all of the lists. So you can see what some of your favorite filmmakers like. If you have a favorite filmmaker who, get, who contributed to that, check out those movies that they like. Because chances are you're seeing the DNA of what their films are. And I absolutely love that. And, you know, when the reason I got Lost Junction, we, we talked about it a little bit. But the reason I got Lost Junction wasn't just because I had this crazy idea of doing this type specific type of commentary. It was because of the fact that Nev Campbell was in it. You know, and I I'm a Nev Campbell fan. It's not just because of Scream. It's not just because of Wild Things. It's because I like her as a performer. I think she's an interesting performer. If I see her in a movie, it's gonna be interesting. I, I'm gonna be interested in it, even if the movie is not good. And Lost Junction, I, I think, is actually pretty good until it's not. But the ways in which it is not is interesting. I, I love that I love these type of discussions. That's why I like having discussions about movies that are not great. Because it forces you to rethink the way you look about look at movies. Because it's like, okay, this movie is not great. Is there anything I can take away from it that, that I enjoyed? Did I just enjoy the fact that it was so hilariously inept that I couldn't help but laugh at it? Do I enjoy the fact that the filmmaker at least seems to be having a lot of fun with it? You know, and I think we have two, two cases in the movies that we chose that do that. I think we have one that points to the fact that, you know, yeah, this is a terrible movie, but I enjoyed watching it because it's a terrible movie. And then we have another movie that may not be a great movie, but is made with sincerity and enjoyment for what it's trying to do. And I, I, love, I love that discovery of those type of movies. That's, that's really exciting. Well, I have nothing else to add. I mean, we've been here forever. We I know. Show, we, we, we could. I know. We could. We could. We could go on, but I'm not going to ask any more questions. Your <laughs> viewers are like, "Get this clown off! We don't like him." And that's but okay. Think, well, I I certainly hope not because I do want to have you back on, and I I definitely plan on rejoining you for extra features talking about the Oscars because that was a lot of fun last year. 
Um, we had way too much fun because we just go off topic 24 7 on my show. And see, the thing is, it's like the, the thing that I love, the thing that I try to be, the thing I try to do with the Sonic Cinema podcast, and part of the reason, I do some editing. Okay, look, every podcast needs editing in some ca- cases. If you don't have at least 20 to 30 ums that you're, dele- that you're editing out during a podcast record, how the hell are you human? Chances are you got at least um, 10 to 20 of those vocal ticks. I take out some out. of them, and some of them I just give up. I'm like, you know what? That's just the way they talk. It depends on the flow of the conversation. It depends on exactly. the flow. Exactly. I agree. How that, but one of the things that I love, and you talked about with your podcast, one of the things that I love, and part of the reason that I have the guests on that I have, the, that I have on, is because I enjoy the conversation. I, exactly. I know I'm going to enjoy the conversation. And I knew I was going to enjoy this conversation. I really well, knew you. I was going to enjoy this conversation after I watched the movies we chose. <laughs> and <laughs> because of the fact that there's so much to talk about. I mean, even though there's not a lot to talk about with both of these movies, there's still a lot to talk about because of how these movies go about their business. But um, I ultimately want this ep- this. Siri, this podcast to be about conversation that you're listening to with people who love film. Whether they're making it, whether they're writing about it, whether they're podcasting about it. I want you to enjoy the experience of listening to us talk about film, whatever that take, whatever movies that takes. And I kind of want to make this like almost an ongoing thing where it's like every year we choose another film in, in our collection and it's like that we haven't seen. And it's like, oh, okay, we're going we're gonna to do this now. And we, we come together with this. I do kind of want to mix it up because of the fact that there, I, I enjoy talking about a variety of topics with you. Um, but uh, yeah, Simon, thank you very much for joining me. Before I go, everyone, it's extrafeaturespodcast.ca. So extrafeatures.ca. We try to put out an episode every two weeks, sometimes weekly. I'm lazy. I get busy. I apologize. But before I go, thank you, Brian, for having me on. I hope you had fun. I hope your listeners have fun. And I hope you guys can find me at extrafeatures.ca because I'm there all the time. It is is worth your time to check out... uh... The extra features podcast. It's 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 an entertaining uh, it, it's an entertaining uh, selection of um, episodes and discussions. And yeah, I I just absolutely love it. Well, thank you. I we have one listener besides myself. <laughs> I'd like to thank Simon for joining me tonight. Uh, that was a I I've been looking forward to having him on the podcast for a while now, and I'm glad we were able to do that. I love the conversation we had, had and I love the topic we had. And uh, I, I hope that we have turned you on to a way of looking at films that's different. And I, that's one of the things I like to do about the, when it comes to the uh, guests that I have on the podcast. And we're going to be continuing on with that uh, this year. That's going to be it for this episode of the Sonic Cinema. February is starting to shape up nicely. We should have 
uh, one return guest as well as one new guest who is backlogged from December. And that's going to be it. Check us out at patreon.com backslash Sonic Cinema. Check us out wherever you listen to the Sonic Cinema podcast. Rate, review, uh, subscribe, tell your friends. And that's thank you very much. And check out my reviews at www.sonic-cinema.com. Thank you very much. Thank <laughs> you.